it's, it's really amazing all that they uh, pull off. And uh, to have a congregation of about 400 folks to have that kind of talent in it, they just uh, devote themselves week after week to, to, to come and to lead us. What a, what a joy that is. Turning your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5, we are continuing our series on the fruit of the Spirit. And I want to back up just a little bit, give you the context again on the deeds of the flesh as it goes into the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, beginning at verse 19. It says, Now the deeds of the flesh are evident. Let's just stop there just a minute and think about it. It's obvious. You can judge a tree by its fruit. It's evident. It's obvious. So he gives you the fruit, first of all, of the non-Christian and then the fruit of the Christian. And he says, it's obvious. So the fruit of the non-Christian, it is immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these of which I forewarned you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Last week we looked at the first of those. The fruit of the Spirit is love. This morning, I want us to move one step further. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. Just like love is part of our nature in the Holy Spirit, joy is to be part of our nature in the Holy Spirit. And we're to be distinguished as believers by that fruit. It should be evident. It should be obvious to us that uh, we're believers because of the joy of the Lord that is in us. Well, how's that work? How's that joy thing working for you? I mean, are you obviously a believer because of joy? Obviously, uh, the people who are doing marketing and advertising, they cater to this particular emotion. We all want to feel good. We all want joy. And so they, they come up with ads to uh, encourage us to get good feelings through whatever the product. Um, I remember two particular ones growing up. Um, one was head to the mountains. You know, grab bush beer and you're going you're gonna to have wonderful time. Well, I was thinking about that the other day. You know, that used to, ad used to run all the time. And to this day, I don't think I've ever had a bush beer. Uh, so that ad obviously didn't work. But I was thinking about another ad that did work. And how many of you remember the old Toyota ad? I used to love it. It, it was a picture of a guy jumping in the air, his hands up, and he's clicking his heel. And the caption always, always was, oh, what a feeling, Toyota. Now, I've been driving a Toyota for about 10 years. And as soon as I save up enough, I'm going to get another one. It's a, it's a feeling. I like it. I like the way I feel when I'm driving 
that vehicle. So that one worked on me. And it's obviously still working. How are you feeling? You know, do you have that, oh, what a feeling feel? Well, you know, not always. Sometimes we even hide it. Look at a verse that's really, really perceptive. Look at Proverbs chapter 14, verse 13. Proverbs 14, verse 13. Here's kind of the disguise sometimes of joy. Proverbs 14, verse 13. This will keep us honest. It says, Even in laughter, the heart may be in pain, and the end of joy may be grief. How many times have you been in a room like this, where there's a crowd of folks, and people are asking, how you doing, how you doing, how you doing? And you're saying, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. But on the inside, you're really in pain. And you, you just wish the day could be over, because there's so much Grief. I've been there. I know what that's like. It's miserable. And there's times when we are there. When we say, yeah, I'm doing good. But truth be told, we're not doing good. We're in pain. We're hurting. And we don't want to share that hurt at times with with the crowd. But it's nevertheless there. How do we get beyond that to, to something more substantive and significant? <laughs> you believe uh, Easter's only two weeks away? Hard to believe. Um, one of the things that happens every Easter is people want to give me one of those chocolate bunnies. Do you, do you get those sometimes? I have absolutely no idea what that does, what means, or how that relates to the resurrection of Christ. But anyway... <clears throat> I like chocolate, uh, and, but if you were to offer me a chocolate bunny or fudge, I'm going to pick fudge every time, and the reason is because sometimes those chocolate bunnies lie. You don't know until you pick them up. <clears throat> sometimes the chocolate bunny's hollow. It's just chocolate on the outside, and you got this big chasm. You think you're getting a big hunk of chocolate? No. It's just a shell of chocolate. Fudge has never lied to me. It's always solid and substantive and packed with sugar and sweetness and delight, you know. And so I'm going to pick that every time because I want the good feeling. I don't want just the feeling on the outside and then find emptiness inside or something that's hollow. I want it to be through and through. And I want our joy to be like that. I want it to be substantive, significant, through and through joy, not just a hollow shell of a joy. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. Do we have that joy that really lasts, that's really significant, that's really substantive? You know, I, th- I think it'd be interesting study to think about the fruit of the Spirit as it relates to the Galatians, and, and maybe even why the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22 comes in the order it does. 
you remember the first audience, the Galatians? They were, they were uh, a, a church that was guilty of embracing another gospel. They were this church that gravitated towards salvation by works. Gravitated towards salvation by them doing something. Them making decisions and them making prayers. And they were going to Bible studies. And they were doing things to sanctify themselves to earn their salvation. Well, that kind of lifestyle, if you're in that kind of church, everybody's trying to do something to be better. It leads to lots of grumbling and complaining. Because people are keeping me from doing what I want to do to get better. Or people aren't doing it with me. And it must have been like a knife to the chest to hear the fruit of the Spirit is not grumbling and complaining. It's not strife. It's not enmity. It's not getting angry because people aren't doing it your way. It's love. And it's joy. And there's not this bitterness and this anger. And it should be obvious. So just as the first audience really had to struggle with their facade of joy and really think about deep down, are you full of joy? We need to, I think, evaluate and think about that for ourselves as well. The fruit of the Spirit is what we need. We need the love of Christ. We need that transformation of nature. And we need that transformation of nature in joy as well. How would, how would you define joy? Let's think about a definition. I don't find in Scripture just a specific verse that gives me joy defined. As I l- read all the verses that seem to have joy packed in there, I come to the conclusion that this joy of the Spirit is, is a personal and eternal satisfaction and delight in the personal presence and activity of God. You're just thoroughly, eternally satisfied, delighted in being in the presence of Christ or having the filling of the Spirit and then seeing the Spirit at work. So you're, you're, you're seeing the activity of God. You're experiencing the presence of God. And it's that experience, it's that relationship that's thoroughly satisfying, enriching, um, delighting you. That is the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, look at Romans 14, verse 17. Here's a passage that kind of gets us there. Romans 14, verse 17. A big chapter on uh, trying to solve church tension. People thinking, looking for certain things for life. Let me just read one verse. Romans 14, verse 17 says, well, let me back up just part of verse 16. Therefore, do not let what is for you a good thing, be spoken of as evil. See, there were people saying, you know, the food you're eating is evil. 
The drink that you're drinking is evil. And Paul is saying, don't let people do that. If God's called it good, it's good. If, if the drink you drink is what God's called good, don't let people call it evil. If the food you eat is what people call evil, don't let people do that. It's good if God's called it good. And then it goes on, verse 17. But it's like, that's not where, even where I want to take you. He says, the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's like, why do you spend your time arguing whether salad is better than steak, or steak is better than salad, or wine is better than water, or water is better than wine? It's just, don't let people do that to you. Get into the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is peace. And it's joy in the Holy Spirit. Now notice the transfer of thinking, perception, or mind that's occurring here. There, there's, there's two different realms that we live in. You either live in this realm where you find your pleasure, your goodness, your satisfaction in eating or drinking. I don't know how many people I've met, especially the older crowd, that says, you know, what do we find pleasure in anymore except eating and drinking? It's like, that's it. And so their, their pursuit in life is eating and drinking. And Paul says, there's this, there is that realm where everything's about eating and drinking. He says, but there's another kingdom. There's another realm. And it's about righteousness. And it's about peace. And it's about joy in the Holy Spirit. And if you want to experience that, you have to be in that kingdom. The kingdom of Christ. Have the righteousness of Christ. Have the peace that surpasses understanding given to us by Christ. Have the joy of the Holy Spirit. So, in, uh, in other words, in order to have this joy, there's got to be a transfer from kingdom of darkness to a kingdom of light, from a kingdom of sin to a kingdom of righteousness, from a kingdom of dispute and enmity and strife and anger to a kingdom of peace and love and joy. Do you see the two different kingdoms that's being described here, which is why Paul in the, in the book of Romans is saying, don't be conformed to this world, this kingdom, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind into the kingdom of Christ. We, we must begin to think and live in the kingdom of Christ uh, because we can. We've been born into it. And in there, we can, can have a whole different uh, life. Uh, let, me, let me just demonstrate the kingdom thing with, with Jesus. Look at John chapter 18. This is Jesus before Pilate. And he's about to be crucified, and he makes reference to this, this kingdom. John 18, verse 35, uh, uh, Pilate answered and said, I'm not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priest delivered you to me. What have you done? Yeah, what's going on there? Who delivered Jesus over to Pilate? The Jews. 
And Pilate understands that. He says, there's no reason why we should crucify this, this man. It's a Jewish thing. The Jews are mad at him for some reason of the law, and I don't really get that. I'm not a Jew. But they delivered him over. And Pilate is asking Jesus at this point, you know, what, what's going on? I'm not a Jew. I don't get this. Are you, are you the king of the Jews? I mean, what's going on? And Jesus' response to him, verse 36, Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would be fighting, so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. Jesus is, is showing us there's two realms. The Jews aren't even in Jesus' realm, unless they're saved Jews. He says, these Jews who have handed me over, they're the world. They're conformed to this world. They're these people who have outbursts of anger. See, the fruit of the Spirit is obvious. These are the flesh rods. They have outbursts of anger. They have um, factions. They have disputes. They have problems with me. That's happening. And while that's happening... He says, I'm living in a different kingdom. I'm in a whole different realm. I'm in the kingdom of righteousness. I'm about to die for the sins of my kingdom. And if people understood that, they'd they'd be rallying behind me. But there's a whole different realm, and I am the king of that realm. Do you live life for the king? Do you live life for Christ? Are, are you, you understanding you're in that realm and there's a fruit in that realm that is, is sweet and wonderful? It's different than the rest of the world. <coughs> How many have been to uh, Discovery Cove, you know, the Disney thing? Some of you, well, about half of you had. I, I went about 20 years ago. I, I don't know, it must have been one of the first first decade of Discovery Cove, where you're, you're supposed to be able to swim, and you can, in salt water with all these, these sea creatures. And I've got to the place I just don't want to go into the ocean anymore. You know, there's, there's too much death there, as far as I'm concerned. And in, in this Discovery Cove pool, they even had stingrays, you know, that killed the crocodile hunter, you know, whatever. Um, and I'm thinking, and why am I swimming with these creatures? You know, it, it just didn't make sense. And I look around, and all the Discovery Cove workers have on full-body wetsuits. There's a reason for that. The temperature was 60 degrees. What's the temperature of my body? Not even close. You know, I'm in there, and I'm starting to turn blue, purple. You know, I am cold. And I hear there's another pool beside this pool, fresh water, with the temperature heated up to about 75 degrees, I couldn't wait to get out of the saltwater pool into the freshwater lazy river of sun and warmth. It was, it was night and day different. Did I tell you how cold the other one was? It was cold called miserable. You know, So I felt like I'm going from misery to sheer delight. <sighs> so much better kingdom of God's that way. 
living in the world is miserable. Being transferred into the kingdom of Christ is a delight. And one of the fruits of this kingdom is joy. It's a satisfaction with, wow, the Spirit has made me righteous. The Spirit has given me peace with God. The Spirit has done so much. There is delight. I have no idea why people want to swim in misery. When there could be such joy and delight. And sometimes as Christians we forget that. And we get drawn back into the world. Into this realm that is full of deceit and bitterness and anger and factions. And and, and we get consumed by eating and drinking and missing peace and joy. In the Holy Spirit. Uh, look at 1 Peter chapter 2. The, the Bible's constantly reminding us because we have this tendency, a hard time to get out of uh, our old kingdom. Uh, I'm teaching on 1 Peter this morning. Uh, the book of P- Peter just blows me away. So many of the exciting things that are here. Here's one of them. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 and 10 says, You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation a people for God's own possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who's called you out of darkness into marvelous light. You were once not a people, but now you're the people of God. You had not received mercy. Now you have received mercy. He says, think about this. It's not just being transferred from darkness to light. It's being transferred from miserable darkness to marvelous light. From being a nobody to being somebody to being lost in your sins, from being lost in your sins to being forgiven and having mercy from God. Is that not sheer, overwhelming joy? But we forget, don't we? The fruit of the Spirit is, is that taking us into this this delightful place called the kingdom of God. And I hope, hope you, you get that switch from miserableness to, to, to wonder and delight. Um, sharing with uh, the crowd at dawn on Wednesday mornings, uh, this last week I was talking about how to give your testimony, sharing with Paul's testimony in um, Acts 26. Let me show you just one verse, Acts 26, verse 18, because I was talking about everybody's testimony that is in Christ. It's, 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 it's a miraculous testimony. I don't ever again want to hear anybody from this church saying, oh, my testimony's not very dynamic. If you say that, it's because you have not read Acts 26, 18. Here's what it says. Paul, Paul said, when Paul was rescued... Uh, Verse 17, he says, I'm rescuing you from the Jewish people, from the Gentiles to whom I'm sending you. And this is what's going to happen, Paul, as as you preach. (coughs) As you preach, you're going to open the eyes so that they may be turned from darkness to light, from the dominion of Satan 
to God from, uh, that, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. That's our life. If you have been saved, period, your eyes have been opened. You've been taken from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. You've been brought out from under the dominion of Satan and his rule, the God of this age, into the realm of Christ under Christ, under His authority, led by His Word, led by His Spirit, you've been brought in from to marvelous light into a place of wonderful peace, into a place of inheritance. You're not going to get hell. You're going to get heaven and great riches beyond imagination. That's what happens the moment you get saved. Is that not miraculous? Is that not dynamic? Is that not wonderful? Yes. He said, when you get that, there's excitement, there's happiness, there's joy in the Lord. So evaluate. You know, if you're not happy in Jesus, you got issues. You're either not transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. You need to be born again by the Spirit. Or you're being conformed to this world. And suffocating by its misery. And you need to be transferred, transformed by the renewing of your mind. Back into the kingdom of wonderful, marvelous light. Well, understanding that, then we have a duty. Let me share the duty real quick. Look at Philippians 4. Understanding those things, we are commanded to rejoice. If you've been transferred into the kingdom of of Christ at the cost of Christ's own blood, then you and I have an obligation to rejoice. Something so wonderful has happened to us and for us without us that we must rejoice. Philippians 4, verse 4. Just share a few, few of the commands. Philippians 4 Verse 4 says, rejoice, it's imperative. Rejoice in the Lord always. Do I need to say it again? He says, again, I say, rejoice. Both times, it's imperative. It's a command. You're obligated. You don't get off the hook. You must rejoice, because if you don't rejoice, you don't get it. You really don't get it. Uh, another command, look at Psalm 100, verse 2. Psalm 100, verse 2. Serve the Lord. Well, I didn't read verse 1. Shout joyfully to the Lord. That's a command. All the earth. Verse 2, serve the Lord. How? With gladness. Come before Him with joyful singing. That's a command. Not just to sing, but as Brett said earlier, let me see it on your face. Smile while you do it. Sing joyfully. You're commanded to be excited about the fact that you have been saved out of darkness and sin and brought into marvelous light at the cost of Christ's own blood. Surely you're thankful. Surely you're grateful. Well, then, 
if Christ has done all that, we must sing for joy to our God. It's not something we do to take up the time. It's something we do to make our God know that we're grateful, that we're thankful, that we have the right spirit. It's the fruit of the spirit. It's love to God. It's joy to God. Uh, Matthew chapter 5 Verse 11 says, you're persecuted for Christ, what should you do? Rejoice. Even in times of persecution, living right is living in the kingdom of Christ. If you're being persecuted for living in the realm of Christ, then rejoice. Because you get in this realm, and people are going to say, you know, it's obvious that you're different. Yes. Finally, the fruit is obvious and you're so different it shines light on us and we don't like the the way that looks and so they persecute us he said if you're being persecuted for that rejoice because you're doing the right thing you're living under the kingship of christ and that's good for you so rejoice james chapter 1 verse 2 you know that verse right consider it all joy my brethren, when you go through what? Trials, trouble, tough times. Consider it all joy. Why? Because you're not in misery. You're not in that miserable pool. You're over here in the kingdom of Christ. And so you can consider it all joy because you're inheriting life. You're inheriting peace. You're you're beginning to see the activity of God. It's not just the presence of God you enjoy. You enjoy the activity of God and what God is doing through trials and temptations, how He's strengthening you, how He's conforming you to the image of Christ. It's such a good thing that you consider all trials to be a time of joy. God wants us to have joy. He enables us to have joy through the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> if I were to take my kids into the yard and say, look at the grass, look at the weeds, you know what needs to happen here, right? You need to pull the weeds and you need to cut the grass. Or if I were to take them into the kitchen and say, what needs to happen here? You know, they say, well, it looks like somebody needs to clean the dishes and put these things away and empty the trash. My point is, it's not enough to say, I see what needs to happen. You need to do it. There's an obligation. And the same way, it's not enough for you to say, yeah, I know people who have been saved by Christ need to be joyful. It's not enough for you to say that. You must do it. Rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. It's an obligation. It's not enough just to have this knowledge. We must be living vessels of joy. The Holy Spirit should be so filling us that we're singing songs of joy and we're so thankful and we're praising God. Our lives are 
experiencing more and more joy. We say, well, I feel like I'm on the cusp of that. I'm, I'm getting close. How do you develop it? Third point. How do we develop more joy in the Spirit? Well, if there's an absence of joy, if you're a sour Christian, then either the fruit's immature, sour still, or like I said, you're not a Christian at all. You need new birth. It's a sign that you need the Spirit to, to draw you to Christ. And you need to see Christ as your only hope. Lord, take me out of this realm of Satan into the realm of Christ. I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be my King. I want you to be my Master. I want you to fill me with your Spirit. If, if that's happened and you're still struggling with joy, determine you have got to relinquish your pursuit of the world. You have got to relinquish your pursuit of getting happy through just eating and drinking and the things that are in this world. Say, it's not gonna, my life is not going to be about that anymore. My life's not going to be about finding my happiness just in this world only. I want to be in the world of Christ. And I want to find my happiness in seeing God at work and being thankful every day for God at work and being satisfied every day in His presence and His sovereign, gracious activity. If, if you're being robbed of joy, you're missing the work of God in the midst of what's going on. Let me give you two examples in Scripture of people who got it and did it right. Look at Acts 13, 44 and following. Acts 13. Two flesh and blood examples. Here's Paul and Barnabas. They've been preaching and teaching, and some are getting saved, some are getting mad. Pretty typical presentation of the word. Some people don't like it, some people do. Verse 44, the next Sabbath, Acts 13, 44, the next Sabbath, nearly the whole city assembled to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. They began contradicting the things spoken by Paul and were blaspheming. Remember the deeds of the flesh? Disputes, factions. You see these Jews, their outburst of envy, jealousy. You begin to, it's obvious. Who's Christian, who's non-Christian here? These Jewish supposedly call themselves Christians in our day. They're not. For the Spirit's obvious. So they began to um, contradict and, and respond. Verse 46, Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and said, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first, since you repudiate it and judge yourself unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we're turning to the Gentiles. And the Gentiles go, whoop, whoop, you know. Uh, For so the Lord has commanded us. I have placed you as a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the end of the earth. When the Gentiles heard it, here it is, uh, they began rejoicing. That's the whoop, whoop. And glorifying the word of the Lord, and as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. Circle that. Boy, people miss that today. How do you get saved? As many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. It's through faith. 
And the word of the Lord was being spread through the whole region, but the Jews incited the devout women of prominence and the leading men of the city and instigated a persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district, but they shook off the dust of their feet in protest against them and went on to Iconium, and the disciples, catch this, were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So here you have a persecution that is so severe, you're having to leave home. You're being run out of town. People are not just mad, they are furious. They're really mad. And they're not just angry, they're throwing things at you. Oh, you're going to throw things at me? I'm going to dust my feet off and I'm out of here. You know, it's... It's, it's that kind of circumstance, but in the middle of that kind of anger and uncomfortableness on the outer shell of man, inside it says, <coughs> the people of God, not just in a little way, but were continually filled with joy. Why? Because they were filled with the Spirit And the fruit of the Spirit is joy. Because they understood they were in the realm of Christ. Christ was their master. They were in a different kingdom. They were looking back on that churchy, worldly kingdom and saying, we're not in that anymore. And it's so obvious we're not in that anymore. So obvious they're they're mad at us. For having a better life. For having forgiveness of sins. For being out from under the dominion of Satan. We have freedom to turn from sin and to turn to righteousness. And they're mad at us for that. But it doesn't take away the fact that we've got it. And the fact that we've got it is so exciting. And it fills us with joy. Relational for you and me. How does that work? When you're being persecuted, when, when you're going through pain, when you're being pushed out of your job and home because you live for Christ, rejoice. Continually, I say, rejoice. Because this kingdom is not all there is. There's so much more in Christ. One more example. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians 8. Here's this group of folks called the Macedonians. And they don't have much going on as far as the world's concerned, but they got a lot going on as far as the kingdom of Christ is concerned. 2 Corinthians 8. Let me read the first couple of verses. It says, Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God which has been given in the churches of Macedonia. So as a result of grace being poured out in Macedonia, notice what happens. Verse 2, that in great ordeal of affliction. How, how would you like to describe your life that way? My life is a great ordeal of affliction. That's the way the Macedonians had to describe their life. In a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty. So physically, they're, they're poor. 
not just in a little way, but a big way. They didn't just lose their IRA. They, they've lost that plus. In deep poverty, overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. Now, think about this for a minute. Why are the Macedonians happy? Is it because they've got their bank accounts taken care of and, and they're, they're set for life? No. They don't have that. Is it because good things are happening? Finally, they're at this period of life where nothing bad is happening. <sighs> no, they don't have that. They have poverty, and they got a great ordeal of affliction, and yet they're over here overflowing with joy and unbelievably generous in giving to others. How is that possible? Because they're filled with the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is joy. And they can give away to this world because this world is not all there is. They know. They're not trying to, to be set in this world. They're trying to live in the kingdom of Christ and lay up treasures for themselves in heaven and inherit all the riches of Christ. They get it. And the result of getting that transfer into Christ's kingdom is an overflowing with joy. It's just unbelievable delight and satisfaction in the presence of God and watching God sovereignly at work through us. That's the fruit of the Spirit. That is joy. Jesus is king. Well, I had so much more. I'm going to stop there. Mark, did you take all of my time? I mean, what, what's the deal? Yeah. You look good doing it, though, I just say. Um, I've said it several times. You know what you need to do. I don't want you just to walk out and say, good message. What's your obligation? If you're not overflowing with joy, you have something to do this morning. I want you overflowing with joy. Even, you say, but you don't understand my circumstances. It doesn't matter. Even if your life is a great ordeal of affliction. I want you overflowing with joy. You don't understand. I don't have a job and I don't have any money. It doesn't matter. I want you overflowing with with joy. And the only way to get that, and you can get that, is being filled with the Holy Spirit. See, I'm still trying to get us to see what, is, what does it mean to, to be filled with the Spirit? What does it mean to grieve the Spirit? If you're not filled, you're grieving the Spirit. If you're caught up in this world and you're sinning, you're losing the filling of the Spirit that makes you one who overflows with joy. Let's pray about that, then I'll move on. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, help us not to repeat the sins of yesterday, the sins of the past. Help us to repent, to turn from Satan and his dominion, to turn from darkness, and to turn to Christ, to turn to light to turn to marvelous, overflowing, eternal, eternally satisfying joy.
Father, do work in us. May your spirit convict and change us. Forgive us when we've been seen as those who have the deeds of the flesh. We turn, Lord, now. We ask your forgiveness. And we ask for righteousness that can only be granted in Christ. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.